Hello and welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast where we reflect and dissect the movies of the past 10 years. I'm Jack Draper. Uh, with me, who is uh, more depressed than a tailspin, uh, is Tyler Hartford. Um, since this is the last movie of the year that we're going to be covering, what are some of your favorites of 2021? Favorites of 2021, uh, caught up with some this month. Uh, I think last episode I mentioned Card Counter moved up to my number one spot. Finally caught up with that. Uh, love Oscar Isaac playing cards. Good time. Uh, um, caught just today, Licorice Pizza in that good old 70 millimeter. Uh, great movie, of course. Yep. Um, so that's there for me. I guess one I would shout out that I really love that um, maybe isn't getting talked about as much. We'll see how it shakes out with awards and whatnot is uh, Coda. I really loved. Mm. Uh, yeah. Feel-good movie. Uh, great uh, ensemble. It's been sticking around there. all since Sundance. It's like might just make its way to Best Picture. Yeah, I'd love to see yeah. it. So, mm, um, great. Yeah. yeah, Annette is up there for me. It's stuck with me ever since the summer, and I, I can't. I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like that uh, in the best way possible. Um, great satire. Uh, would that be your uh, musical of the year? Because we got some good ones this year. It's either that or uh, West Side Story. I, and and uh, Tick Tick Boom is probably the biggest surprise of of the year. Speaking of musicals, I'm trying to fire up my list to see. Oh, Power of the Dog! That was just incredible. What more do you want? Uh, <laughs> we've all been there. Uh, French Dispatch was great. <laughs> um, yeah. What else? I'm looking at your list. So You're looking I'm, at my I'm, list. I'm looking at your list, Dust. Do yeah. you have yours ready? You yeah, are, yeah. I mean, you know I, it's, it's easy for me. It's, it's a, a it's a net with a bullet. <laughs> I wrote <laughs> I wrote a I wrote the blur. Baby of the year. The, yeah, yeah. For dmovies.org, they did their like top ten whatever, and I put a net in there, and I, I forced them to put a net in there, and. I wrote my blurb on that, and um, yeah, it's just a wonderful movie. Mm-hmm. I think you know, like, and, and and we were talking before about Bill Gaviria, and Bill wrote this wonderful piece on the ending of Annette, which is just heart wrenching, and it's so mm-hmm. wild to me to have a heart wrenching, emotionally resonant ending at the end of a movie which is so refracted and postmodern and metatextual and all that. It's just and and so like thumbing its nose at the audience almost and and daring the audience to leave the theater, um, and then to do that. And Henry is kind of reprehensible, and he redeems himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, He's such a he's such a terrible, like horrible person and horrible character. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just I just I don't know. I love movies like that that pull off the magic trick. So that was that was it for me for the. Um, But I I went to the beach. So yeah. I went to the yeah, beach, a lot of uh, and old is also fantastic. Um, I, 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 I had I, a lot of fun at old. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I, I dare anyone to to say different. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, do you want to yeah. say different? I mean, I. It's, yeah, 
<laughs> it just wasn't your tops. It just wasn't my tops. We're missing quite a few from 2021 yeah, because we have been see. in a bunker and not going to the theater, sadly. Um, mm -hmm. But um, I really liked Undine and Spencer. Yeah. Those are like two sort of like quieter lady movies that I that I really mm -hmm. enjoyed this year. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, love those. Um, I'll shout out two more as well since I just saw my list. One I just caught last week, Benedetta. Mm -hmm. um, we love Paul Verhoeven, and I, I thought <laughs> it was a great one. Uh, and another one from earlier in the year, a little Jewish representation uh, on my end, uh, Shiva Baby. I was just going to bring this up, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love Shiva um, Baby. Is that the like, most stressful awesome. movie of the year? <laughs> yeah, that was high-intensity yeah. uh, sitting Shiva, so yeah, good time. <laughs> Matzva. Uh, souvenir Part 2. I mean, what more do you want? You know, so, <laughs> That was great. Um, maybe Still ending of the year for, for Part 2. Uh, the Last Duel knocked me out. I, I can't... I, I, have no, I mean, you know, lots to say about Last Duel. Yeah, I want to see that again. Mm -hmm. I definitely yes, liked yes. it, and I feel like it's only going to grow with time. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Barbara and Star Are left you... me just bewildered at the beginning of the year. <laughs> Are you a big Gucci fan as well? I, I you know, um, I, 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 I entered. I walked into the house. I opened the door to the house. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Um, I don't. I. Lots to say about about Hasaguchi, you know. It's like, yeah, that, that's a whole podcast. If someone doesn't like it, I'll be like, okay, sure. But if someone is like, okay, I'm ready to talk Gucci, I'll talk Gucci. And I'm kind of flexible with whoever has an opinion on it. Just I liked it. That doesn't mean we could have had a better movie, you know. I, I guess you know I may have mentioned this on another episode, but um, it just comes down to like whether you're gonna be on it or not, you know. But are I you like, Gucci like game or are you not Gucci game? That is the question. <laughs> um, uh, I liked Leto, but I don't know. I think I, I again, I yeah. <laughs> Can we say that around here? Is this a safe space? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of concerned about. Gucci. Okay, we have not. Yeah. We want. I would like to open the door to Gucci. Mamma Mia. <laughs> <laughs> um so you well, know that's why we're, we're being silent not because we're yes. we're concerned about your 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 appreciation <laughs> of a, a leader performance <laughs> oh my god um yeah 25 saw, great uh, great year yeah. someone's uh like capsule review of uh house of gucci was just like the first time Jared Leto opened his mouth, I literally fell out of my chair, and I was like, "Yeah, pretty much." It was, I was like, "Whoa, uh, we're doing this, okay?" Yeah, yeah, and I, I think just because so many people like dinged him from the trailer and all the critic screenings, where it's like, you know, like it was going to be something oddball, but then once it actually reveals like what this character is going to be doing, it's like, oh, I can't, I can't, you really can't prepare yourself. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah. Let's see. get back. is truly like one of the you know greatest things I've ever seen. Beatles documentary as well. One of the best. My parents, I I think, are upset with me because I haven't watched that yet. Okay. No, I'm upset <laughs> yeah, with you. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't yet been Beatles pilled. Great. Now everyone has turned this off. 
Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> unsubscribe. Yeah, unsubscribe. Yeah. Um, yeah, twenty like pretty good year overall. I'd say though. Yeah. Yeah, definitely better than twenty twenty for sure. Yeah. I think that even though a like, lot of twenty twenty releases got pushed into twenty one, so it made it maybe even a stronger year than usual. That's true. Yeah. Uh, even though like twenty twenty still had some damn great stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It's like oh, yeah. yeah. Um, like all great guests do, you guys talked before you're introduced. This is welcome. This is amazing. Um, Justin and Laura Chu. Is it Chu or Ku? It's Ku. Am I saying it? Okay, Ku. Yeah. Ku, yeah. I was, Sorry, we, I guess we should. Yeah. Good. Good. Thank you. <laughs> oh my Thank God. Um, okay. Lovely to have you guys from Cows in the Field Pod. Um, why don't you talk about your history with film and, uh, you know, where did you fall in love with it in the first, in the first place? Um, if there was one that caught your eye early. But first of all, thanks for having us. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's always so. a pleasure to, to jump on a pod and talk about a movie. Um, Laura, you want to go first? Um, <laughs> I, I had a weird project in high school uh, where I de- tried to desensitize myself to horror movies. <laughs> It was like a it was like a platform project where we my father and I started with like mildly you know thriller movies and moved our way up. Um, but so my answer to the question I think is The Shining for me um, because that was the one that kicked off really like my desire to want to watch horror movies and not just to avoid them for my whole life because I found them too scary. I saw just clips of The Shining when I was a kid. And I could not ever get the images out of my head and they scared the shit out of me and I couldn't sleep, but also I wanted to see the whole movie, (laughs) but I knew it was going to destroy me, but I needed to see it. (laughs) So I feel like that was like something that started for me. (laughs) Um, And then uh, in college, I, I was sort of random about how I watched movies in high school and in college I took some film courses and got a little bit of a sense of film history and got a little bit more of a foundation there but I think The Shining was probably something that started it for me I got Laura The Shining in 4k disc thank you for her birthday you're so proud of yourself (laughs) hell yeah Um, we still haven't cracked that disc but you know we (laughs) We will we will um, for me, it was Mulholland Drive. I mm-hmm. I was in college, and the uh, you know prior to that, I liked watching movies, but I I didn't realize that you could watch a movie and then have to think about the movie to mm-hmm. to to really get to to really appreciate aesthetically what was going on. And so yeah, and then I um, after that, I, well, it wasn't like immediately. Then suddenly, it was film was film all the way. I, but it was it coincided with my falling in love with philosophy, and that was. So it was. I was at actually a point similar to the character, a point in time in my life similar to the characters in this movie. That <laughs> point, right when you're in college, when you're particularly susceptible to, you're open to the world in a way that you're not when you're older, and you're able to pursue your passions in a way that you're not when you're younger. And it was mm-hmm. just at that right point. I saw Mulholland Drive. I took a philosophy class, and it was those those things really, you know, philosophy changed my life more than Mulholland Drive. But Mulholland Drive. To some extent, also changed, changed my your life. life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when I met you, you were like, "Oh, I only watch Swedish films." Is That's that- no, completely not true. <laughs> <laughs> That's completely not. What is this slander well, you're doing? No, you were like in a really intense Bergman moment when I met you. Yeah, like, well, I was going. Through, I was you know working through the back catalog. Okay, no, <laughs> not like 
a it's not an aspersion. Like, calm down. I, just, I was just <laughs> trying to. Wonder. You're making me sound like the what's his name, Zach Woods, in this movie. I don't even know his character's name. <laughs> Eric, I think. <laughs> Eric. Um, yeah. Just no, the but worst. all I meant to ask was, how did you like you start? Did you start to get into more into like foreign films and and well, the, like, I, I, older I, sort of foundational films? Yeah, I mean, we were, as I was talking to we were talking to Jack off mic and and uh, when I was in grad school, that was in grad school. Yes. So then then I I hung out with all these Italian studies people and they were putting on film, you know, film festivals and things. And, and they were the people who introduced me to, they were like, Oh, you've never seen Fellini. And I was like, no, I, I guess I'm supposed to see Fellini. So then and they were like, here, <laughs> you know, you got to start with Eva Teloni or something. And then, then they would be, you know, and then it was also like Bergman and, and we, you know, there was, it was very easy to get access to all these movies. I mean, I think it's even, it's obviously even easier now, but it was very, everything was accessible to the library. So we were just, just, you had this like plethora of DVDs and um, it was, it was glorious. I don't know. It was great. It, anyway. Mm -hmm. um, I also, I can comment on uh, both of you. Um, first, The Shining, Laura, um, mm -hmm. my, Kind of have the same history with it myself, where I had seen um, scenes and segments from it when I was a kid. I think when I was a kid, we used to watch, I think it was Bravo that would, like, count down the 100 greatest, like, horror moments of yes, history. Yes, I saw it, too. And I was, like, scarred from, like, seeing the, what they showed from The Shining, and then eventually saw it myself. I, I have seen it in theater, and I also have the 4K, and I will say that 4k is what I, my go-to pick for um the best looking 4k movie that you one 4k so on a four, on a design they, they did a yeah, yeah. Wow. um the because they did the full 4k remaster um and it's gorgeous um so mm. definitely check it out um and then with uh mulholland drive um, I didn't see it till uh, fairly recently, a couple years ago for the first time on Criterion Channel. Then I went and saw it in 70 millimeter this year, and that was incredible. Wow. So, wow, yeah, yeah. yeah that's we are jealous. I know. Yeah, well, we saw. <laughs> I have seen it in. I have seen it in 35 at the Whitney. Actually, did you see? Were you there, Laura? I was not. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I saw it there, and and it was. The sound the sound quality was not great because the Whitney didn't have like amazing sound. We probably actually have better sound in our home theater now. Okay, but it, the ending <laughs> was amazing because the ending when she's screaming was like they didn't know they didn't know how to do the levels right. I think they just were not prepared for how loud that was going to be based on the rest of the movie, and it was so overwhelming. It was like. Sh you know, ear splitting, like it was probably blowing their speakers. <laughs> I actually felt bad for them, but it was like, it was overwhelming. It was kind of, it was amazing. Mm. I should yeah. say too, um, I, I cannot remember her name, but who, she sings Silencio in the movie. Yeah. Um, Rebecca Del Rebecca She was Del at the screening and she performed what? it. Yeah, Rebecca Del Rio, thank you. And wow. she performed that and a couple other songs afterwards. It was great. I believe wow, that amazing. she's also, she also was made an appearance. Uh, at the Chicago. at the uh, double R and or the um the roadhouse the the bar at uh, the return, I think she she's yeah. like one of the performers. Yes. Yeah, yeah, uh, she does. Yeah, um, and uh, my Mulholland Drive appendage. Um, I hadn't told the story on this pod, but another pod. Um, I uh, I was just getting a film at the time, 
and there was this comic book store uh, for anyone who has been to Boston or is lives around Boston, you would know Newberry Comics. Um, and it has like a small criterion section. It's, mo- uh, it's mostly comic books. And I was like, hey, I was to one of the people working there, do you have anything that you would recommend? I'm just starting to get into film. I, I will watch anything. So it's something to that extent. And he just hands me Mulholland Drive. <laughs> he just hands me it wow. on Blu-ray. And I'm like, I guess this is me now. And <laughs> like, not knowing anything about it, may- maybe I had seen Blue Velvet to that point um, and, and just found it like provocative and um, pretty like startling at that age. But Mulholland Drive, yeah, that was that was it. I was just completely sold. And like, I'll, I, like dementia won't take away some of those moments for me, you know. Like anybody who's in it. Yeah. Yeah. For for me, it was my first conscious David Lynch experience, but my Mm. first real David Lynch experience was Dune. Because I saw (laughs) Dune as a 10 year old, not knowing it was David Lynch, just not just loving the book and being like, oh, they made a Dune movie. So I watched Dune as a 10 year old, and that, I think, deeply, that probably messed me up really bad, actually. But it was. (laughs) Yeah, it's almost like. Lynch's Dune is like made for kids, so it's like okay, well then I I guess that's accept that's like acceptable. Um, but then you realize it's from David Lynch, and you're like, oh wait a minute, no, it's not. And, totally not made uh, for yeah, kids, yeah, even though yeah. they thought it was made for kids, and they made <laughs> a, action figures and things. Yeah. But anyway, but it, we, we should get heart, I, all yeah. their dreams. Oh my god, that movie. Anyway, <laughs> we should get the guy who did Elven Man. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> Damsels in distress. Hello, are you a new student? Yes, we'd like to help you. Seven Oaks was the last of the select seven to go co-ed. An atmosphere of male barbarism predominates. We're going to change all that. Do you know what's the major problem in contemporary social life? The tendency to always seek someone cooler than yourself. Hey. Our aspirations are pretty basic. Take a guy who hasn't realized his full potential or doesn't even have much. Someone like Frank. Yes, and then help him realize it or find more. There's enough material here for a lifetime of social work. We're also trying to make a difference in people's lives, and one way to do that is to stop them from killing themselves. No case is too hard or challenging. Would you like a donut? You should know something about these girls. Their preferred therapy is tap dancing. Now, 2011, where were you guys? Um, When was the first time you saw it? Did you see it in theaters? No. No, no, we no, saw no. it we, this year. We saw it this year because <laughs> we are late to the no, game we, on damsels. Yeah. We, we were. Yes. I, I think, like most people with damsels in distress, they they're like, "What? That, there's a movie called Damsels in Distress by Whit Stillman." Um, yeah, <laughs> we saw it this year. We were after like a decade long hiatus, no less. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like it was a big deal when he came back. To, had a movie that year. Yeah, I think he was. Like, he had made a movie for fourteen years or yeah, something anyways, insane like that. Wild. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw it. I think year. last year's in disco was ninety eight, ninety seven. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, we watched yeah. all of Whit Stillman's movies in a row yeah. um, this summer. Cool. Nice. Summer? Yeah, yeah, this summer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where are we? And, you know, love them. But weirdly, I came away being like, I think Damsels is my favorite. Um, I think, you know, obviously, Last Days of Disco is incredible. Um, but, I, but I felt like I had a really warm spot in my heart for Damsels. What about you guys? So do you, had you seen this before? A much, but I hadn't. But I have a much better story with Metropolitan, actually. That 
uh, Criterion Collection. I just put it on uh, a few months ago. They had this whole New York uh, um, uh, collection, and it's really cool. Like, there's every famous New York movie. That's one of the great ten poles. Like, it's on there. Um, I still, and a few still might be as of as of now. Um, Metropolitan was on there, and I was like, oh, I had always known about Whitstillman and his posters. Like, I remember seeing them at certain points. Um, like I knew Barcelona and, uh, like I was, I mean, and I checked out Metropolitan, which I loved. Um, and like the rhythm of the dialogue was so like addictive and, um, I, but like the thing is I had sworn I had seen it before. Like I didn't, I couldn't tell you anything that happened. I didn't know anyone in it, but it's like some of these images rang very familiar. And then I realized this is one of my grandmother's favorite movies. And it turned out that she had owned it on VHS and played it um, on Christmas Eve when we went to uh, visit my grandmother's house. So it's like, oh, wait, this is always just like I'd seen it throughout uh, every year and just in passing. It's like, how, how often does that happen? But um, uh, a cool grandma. To, yeah, 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 I know. Yeah. Um, she has like Goodfellas and VHS. And, yeah. But um, nice. Yeah. But yeah, Metropolitan is like a pretty great christmas movie around this time too um and barcelona also really really good which i checked out recently mr launched the careers of mia sorvino um which like similarly last days of disco did with close vignette like just projected her more yeah yeah for for me uh with stillman um all i had seen before this was love and friendship uh, when that came out, so five years ago, uh, I believe that was an Amazon Prime release. I, I think it's an Amazon um, original, yeah. Yeah, because I, I remember just watching it on Prime. I didn't see it in the theater. Um, and I remember really liking that, but you know, five years ago, I wish I had the time to go back and watch uh, some of the 90s ones uh, before watching this, but so I just caught up uh, with Damsels now. Great. So. Nice. I mean, yeah. I think, it, yeah, Damsels for us, I mean, watching it in close succession with the other, with Stillman movies, it um, it's it's alike and different from them. I mean, uh, I feel like there's... A like any great auteur, the, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. although yeah. it is the one that feels different I think for me, then maybe all, even then, more than love and friendship. Yeah, which even, is a period piece. Even more than love and yeah. friendship. Love and friendship feels like it's in the mode of Barcelona. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but but damsels just feels. I don't know. It feels more whimsical in a way, and I also think like the thing that was eye opening for us about just sort of watching all these Whit Stillman movies and in particular damsels in distress. But I mean, I, really, the earlier ones, I think. Um, even more so was was just he has like seeped his way into I think film culture without people realizing it because I mean he basically did it through people like Noah Baumbach and Wes Anderson and all these people who he's just completely influenced but um, but he, you know who, where the credit is often not given um, mm. and he, you know and then and, and this is nowhere is this clearer than like with the the duel you know with Greta Gerwig being kind of the the 
the the dual muse in a way and these with this movie and then with greenberg and and just the year before probably they were and also like the duplasses and joe swanberg and like that yeah exactly well yeah i mean she her her career trajectory mirrors in a way uh well obviously it's different now but at early at the early 70 where 70 is this indie darling and then she gets sort of launched by last days of disco and it's similar with greta gerwig who is doing all this mumblecore stuff and then in 2010 she does greenberg and in 2011 this damsels Mm -hmm. now damsels didn't launch her but it is her in a more um you know explicitly commercial mode Mm -hmm. and i think there's something about stillman and just he i was talking to laura about this earlier like we i don't know how he's able to translate to his cast how they're supposed to like what the idea is that he's trying to get across because i find it so difficult to put into words when you see Mm -hmm. it you're just like oh i see what's going on it's this sort of arch high you know um mentality and everything is so um you know you know particular but when you're doing that like with a film like metropolitan like you know maybe the point of reference is woody allen but it's 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 woody allen pushed to a to a, a even a further extreme and he's working with a lot of people who were not really you know, professional actors at the time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how he communicated that to them. And I find that so intriguing because I would not be able to communicate to like, as, I'm, as you're going to see when we talk about this movie, I don't quite have the words for this movie. I just sort of <laughs> love it. But I'm also yeah. like, I don't totally know how to describe it to someone. Um, it's sort of just like, go watch it <laughs> and you'll sort of <laughs> pick up on it and you might hate it. That's fine. But you, you'll sort of see what he's doing. And I don't. I'll attempt to articulate what I think is going on, but it, no, I, I'm I'm, I'm very much with you. Yeah, because um, there's actually an interview that I saw with Greta Gerwig, and the interviewer he's like, "So do you take the vibe on set and then place that onto the movie? Because that's sort of the best translation that the interviewer can come up with, and I guess that's sort of the idea that you're hinting at as well. Um, that you don't you don't know how to nail down with Stillman. Like you can you can certainly like talk about the idea that he's trying to he's trying to translate but it's more like if someone called him like overwritten i don't know how to disagree with that but but also it's it's like it's not so much um it's more the cadence of the conversation that's nailed for me like it's because every conversation of his is like a competition or it's um it's a debate but it's not really like aggressive right (laughs) so it's yeah yeah yeah, we run into these episodes sometimes right, where it's yeah, like great movies takes movie. yeah, they take so many chances sometimes where it's like, I know this is great. Let's just do our best to talk about why it's great. And then um but but, but yeah, sorry you Oh, I was just uh, there is a sweetness to this movie that I think I know what you mean about the co- the conversations being competitive and yet they're like charitable. I was thinking about the scene um, do you guys do like a plot summary or can I just sort of start talking about scenes? <laughs> uh, when Xavier, uh, Xavier has drinks with Charlie slash Fred, uh, and Lil and Lily, and he's like, I'm no longer, uh, a Cathor yeah. and, and Fred is sort of like, oh good. Cause you know, I don't usually, you know, disparage anybody's religion, but I have some questions and they're, and they're, 
they're sort of sparring with one another. I mean, they were in direct competition for Lily, but they're also so kind to one another about the fact that like they're just trying on things. Like he's like he's mm-hmm. not holding it against Xavier that Xavier you know took up this insane religion for um, for a short period of time, and Xavier's not taking offense that Fred has some questions about the religion that he had for a period of time. You know, like they're just. There's just like an openness and a kindness to to their conversations, even while in some cases, you know, um, they can be a bit a bit competitive or they're trying to to sort of demonstrate their intelligence to one another. Yeah, there is a competition, but it is somehow uh, earnest and it yes. is also not um, it's not there's no aggression behind that competition. For me, it's like the 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 way I would think of it is like the challenges tr- of trying to describe Stillman is it's like. It's playful. It's also a critique. Mm-hmm. It's also, you know, a, like he's he's both making fun of, but not. You know, like there's something where he's like he's clearly mocking these people, but it's and it's so them. lighthearted and with <laughs> such love and care that um, somebody I think one time described it as I sh- I don't know who this was I can't remember but. Uh, I read it somewhere as a an eye level critique, like it's a critique coming from someone who's in the very space as mm-hmm. the people he's critiquing. So he, so it's not like he's you know someone who who steps outside and and looks down upon these people and makes fun of them, but rather someone who's who recognizes they are the, they're themselves subject to the same critique. And so there's a kind of um, yeah, there's a kind of openness to everything. Mm-hmm. I suppose you could almost like say he's placing judgment upon these people. Uh, like Lily and Violet and Heather, like they're all traveling as a pack all the time. And it's like, well, you're the leader, you're the follower, she's the new one. And, and I guess like they're open vessels for interpretation. Um, and that yeah. like really solid point that he's always trying to figure out of like late teens, early twenties, mid twenties is perfect mm-hmm. for this kind of dialogue too. Cause it's perfect for re- reinvention. Um, and you can get away with saying some of this stuff just because it's like, well, you're young. And I guess I guess um, it's more acceptable because you haven't found uh, the true identity and you're always trying on hats. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like – so a movie that I think is very – has a kind of similar tone is Life Aquatic. But Life Aquatic, the 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 person who's being mocked in a way is, is the titular character, Steve Zissou. Now, he's older, but somehow he can get away with it. I don't know. Bill Murray has that charisma where he can sort of be mocked and, and yet he doesn't, I don't know, it, you don't feel t- horrible for him for, the, for what's happening. But I think like, yeah, I think that Bombach has really been the, the person, I think, even more, I think, than Wes Anderson um, recently, you know, in the last, you know, if we were to pick a movie from the last decade, I think it would be a Bombach movie that most sort of connects with the Stillman universe. And mm-hmm. I think that's it's it's the tonal thing that he's going for there. And um, I think it's no surprise that that the one that I think is closest to well, I mean, maybe that's not right because I was gonna, I think also um, Tenenbaums has that feel too. But mm-hmm. but I think Life Aquatic, the one which you which you co-wrote with Bombach, is yep. has that real. Um, you know, there's like it's biting, but also playful. There's a tinge um, of melancholy too. Yeah, which I feel I feel it represents best in that at the end of Metro- Metropolitan, because um, it's like there's the uncertainty comes uh, from yeah. we are we are at the end of our academic careers, but where do we go from here? Um, sort of deal, and um, yeah, and I guess like if we if we were comparing 
Baumbeck to, to Stillman, for me, like Meyerowitz stories comes to mind and we've covered Meyerowitz stories, which is, and it's great. Just like the New Yorkness, um, of course, like um, instantly makes the connection and it's just, yeah, the way. like a mistress America. Mm, yeah. 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 Speaking of I think Greg, stories that I, that I think is that connects really well to Bombach is that oftentimes in Meyerowitz stories, the characters are having parallel conversations. <laughs> so there's like two com- there's like two people talking to each other, but they're talking in parallel. So they're yeah. not actually responding to what the other person is saying. They're just talking about their thread. And yeah, these two it's so good that are kind of happening. And I think that is totally like a thing Whit Stillman did in you know in not as much in this movie, but in in definitely in. Um, in the last days of disco, for instance, yeah. in the nineties ones, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I feel like Chris Eigman's always just like on his own. Yeah, he's just on his own planet. Plane, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I felt like that was I'd never seen dialogue cut like that in twenty seventeen. That was such a revelation to me. Um, and also the way that movie's edited is so good. It just abruptly shifts into a next scene, and it's like, okay, well, the movie's clearly bored of what we were doing. Um, or maybe that might not be the right read, but um, it's. I like I like the Meyerowitz stories a lot. I think it's for me it was Bombach's my favorite Bombach outside of Squid and the Whale. I think maybe I but Kicking and Screaming as well. Actually, I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But but um, but yeah. Speaking of another kind of college. Uh, yeah, that's true. You know the your your you know the what do we do with our lives kind of movie. Um, and which is I think the theme. If there's a theme for Whit Stillman, that's like the running theme, which is like transitions and what do we do with these moments where we are afforded an opportunity to reinvent ourselves and try on a new personality try on a new life try to figure out what a new set of ideals or a new set of values and play in that sandbox space um we're not afforded those that many opportunities to do that in our lives and i think it's just like a very fruitful i don't know moment to to explore narrative possibility in and he has made i think some of the best films about that those transition periods and i think damsels captures it best the sort of in college and you know disco captures it the best you know right immediately post college um and uh, for me that movie resonated a lot because it felt exactly what it was like for me to be in grad school because grad school was for me post college and it was this experience of like floundering and not quite knowing who i was as a person and this whole like thing that people do where they which they do in this movie a ton where they where you say things that are you don't really know if they're true but you say them with the utmost confidence <laughs> and because you're you're you just you feel like i have to define myself as someone who knows a lot of stuff and yeah. you know no surprise you meet a lot of people like that in grad school yeah. and sometimes they know a lot of stuff and sometimes they don't and it's just part of the game that you play and um, and I love that aspect of, of, of both Last Days of Disco, but also in Damsels in Distress. And it was actually funny. I was, I was checking this because I, I was like fact checking the movie because the movie fact checks itself because <laughs> at the end, I don't know if you got to the title cards or if you stopped, but at the, the last title card that says with apologies to, yeah. um, and it's, uh, yeah. you know, uh, Johann Strauss and, uh, and um, whoever the other guy, I, I wrote it down. But anyway, the, the various people that, that they mistakenly attribute things to that, that Greta Gerwig the dance craze, the dance inventors, crazes, yeah. Yeah. the waltz, yeah. the Charleston and the Charleston, the, yeah. the twist. <laughs> like it knows what but the audience is thinking. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's almost like it, yeah. it's, 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 but that's, this is again the eye level critique. So it's, it's doing the very thing that it's making fun of its characters for doing, right? Like the film itself does that very <laughs> thing. It, it insists on in explaining, hey, 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 I actually know what I'm talking about. He <laughs> <laughs> puts that shit at the end just to be like, I'm not a moron. I, I yeah. trust me, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I love that. I just think it's like, you know, like it's so playful and, and just like open hearted about like how, about the humor that it's drawing out of these characters, about these absurd characters, these completely absurd people. Um, are they absurd a, or are they real, Justin? Well, they're <laughs> absurd. You've met a lot yeah. of them. Or are they what? <laughs> I'm sorry, Laura, what did you say? Oh, I said, are they absurd or are they real? Because I feel yeah. like, I mean, <laughs> I, I think I said this before we started recording, but I felt like a little concerned the Witz Delman like lived in my dorm room or something. Mm, I was like, right. this movie feels very true to life in some ways. I mean, obviously it is a it is um an exaggeration, but like yeah, did I was in my college, was there an editor that was much like the daily complainer editor? <laughs> yes. The complainer. Yeah. Did I date a Frank or a Thor? You bet I did. Like, <laughs> was there yeah. basically like a you know a, what was oh, it? The, was there was there a grad student who who? Well, did I know a couple about... of uh, operator grad students? Yes, I did. <laughs> Wait, what were Wait, you? No, gonna... no, I was thinking. <laughs> no, there was there. Xavier is not an operator. Operator. I was thinking about the eighth year ed student. Yeah, fine, but mm. I was thinking of maybe I was the Xavier. <laughs> you might we have been met the when Laura was an undergrad. I was a grad student. So there you, you go. Might have been there. the Xavier yeah. of the situation. Yeah, we played it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were like trying to make me watch new wave cinema, and yeah. I was like, ugh. God. <laughs> How much time do I spend with I this forgot film? what do they watch in the movie? Uh, oh, um, yeah. Oh, shoot. Stolen yeah. Kisses. Um, Stolen Kisses. Yeah, do you not know who French yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you not know who John Luc Godard is? <laughs> Uh, the difference, though, is that you wouldn't let me make out through a French movie. You don't let me, like, talk or look at my phone or do anything when I'm watching a movie. So. Yeah, you're only shushed, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm shushed. <laughs> um, um, but but it's interesting. Like, yeah, like the absurdism, it, you can see it funneled in reality. Um, that it's like mm -hmm. the, there are, like, shades of that in real people, even though uh, these aren't literally people, like, from whole text um like violet like she wants to clearly help people um just like her head is not at all in the right place um just like yeah you want you so clearly want to make a difference um just i don't i don't know if like <laughs> you know cleaning up the smell and uh being in suicide profession is is like the right way to to um take this direction <laughs> you're yeah. not sure the tap is a, is a, yeah <laughs> yeah, tap is, yeah is a good uh um yeah, it's a form of therapy for <laughs> struggling with some really hard things. Hmm. But she would put like, up a good I mean, debate for it. Yeah, I feel like that's the thing is I've met in college and then in grad school, like times a million, but I, in college I met so many strange people. Like you just meet people like this who are just like, this is my thing, tap dance therapy. You're like, what <laughs> the fuck is that? Like, no, 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 this is my thing. Like, let me, let me. Don't walk away, don't walk away. Yeah. <laughs> I knew multiple people in a tap dance club, yeah, by the way. there you go. They weren't trying to help anybody. They were just t doing it for the love of tap. Yeah. But I'm just saying, the number of times my friends were like, oh, I have to go to taps because it was called taps a lot. I knew, like, multiple <laughs> tap dancers in college. Yeah, that's Because like... I went to college with Wit Stillman. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 
I mean, that, that is true. But it is like, it is, yeah. I think, though, that that's just the thing. It doesn't matter really where you go to college. You just, yeah. You're going to meet, in, you're just going to be quirky people who are going hard on whatever passion they have. And, you know, like they're trying something on. And I think they're that's reinventing. The, what I think is so great is that he gives us that flashback about Violet that tells us a little bit yeah. more about her. Like she struggled with maybe obsessive compulsive disorder. She has these, you know, hangups about her identity, her name. She changed her name. She's trying to run from a past that has haunted her in a way. She was made fun of as a as a kid, and um, and so she's embraced this sort of alter ego, which has ultimate confidence and, you know, is is overly empathetic to everyone. And uh, and but it's it's obviously a facade. And all the characters we learn have are playing some role, right? They're trying on a persona and um i just think that is true to life i think and it's a great thing i, I love that it's also not criticized it's like no 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 mm. this is a, i think something that we should be doing in college right like this is a, your opportunity to try on this this new life and see if it's for you try on these values and see if they're you know they're they're ones you want to have in your life because once you're an adult and you've got a job and you've got a kid you just don't, there's no room for doing your this life kind is of, over yeah it's true yeah take it from us <laughs> No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Getting existential on the podcast. Oh my god. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> this is therapy now. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, like I mean, isn't so come on, you guys it's like, you know, we started a podcast. You guys started a podcast, right? Like it's like, hey, we're trying on something new now. We're mm. we're I'm embracing the film thing. I'm you know, or whatever. And uh I think that's just it's wonderful because um, you know, I, I don't know. I, some of us are, are, are not going to be defined by those passions. It's fine. And not all of us can be, but I think college is like a great time for doing that thing for, for just like carrying that out to the extreme and seeing, you know, seeing where you can go for it. And that's also another, I think, reason why the film feels like it's a fantasy, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's shot with these gauzy diffusion filters and it's overlit and everything is, fantastical and hyper real about it and i think that's on purpose like and then it ends with a tap dance or they're tap dancing in the in the, in the fountain and they're doing the sambola like it's so fantastical but i think again that's treating this idea of college as just this fantasy world where you get to go do this stuff somewhat consequence free and not criticizing but thinking like yeah that's we want that right we want that's what when people another thing i was mentioning to laura before is like that's what people say when they talk about the college experience. Like it's not sitting in a classroom with a boring professor at the top of the room being like, wah, wah, wah. That's not the college experience. You can get that shit on Zoom. The college experience is being in a dorm and having these exchanges with other people and trying on your ideas and criticizing each other and the, the sort of tete-a-tete -tete of an intellectual spar. And I think that's, that's what he captures so well in this movie. Yeah, college is made for what's done. No. Material, yeah, um, and, and it's almost like the movie is. I mean, it's so clearly Violet's uh, perspective, and it in the uh, very end when you get to the musical numbers, like that is very much um, how she sees the world, right? Like Greta Gerwig yeah. puts it best: like she wants life to be musical, and she wants everything to be okay all the time, <laughs> and that is that's like yeah, okay, I get I get where. Stillman is coming from, like, not only should more movies end with a musical number, but this one also makes sense. I do love the muse, uh, 
the music in this movie uh any like the dance scenes are like brief but they all like resonate um the one at, at the beginning with the 80s track can't remember what it was uh but when they get to the house party is a good one <laughs> the golden oldie yeah the, <laughs> the, the golden, golden oldie, oldie. <laughs> I think it might even been a 90s song. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think you're right, Justin, that I think we all look back at our college, at the at college time as this moment of complete freedom um, and a, an, an opportunity to try on new things, relatively consequence three. It's also like a pretty emotionally tumultuous time, at least it was for mm-hmm. me. And, and it's interesting that there's this constant running, you know, sub, subplot about about suicide and it's extremely tongue-in-cheek but it's but it's throughout the entire movie people are you know they're hot they're they're people are very um chris is depressed and then violet is depressed and people are jumping off uh robinson hall even though it's (laughs) the second floor yeah yeah (laughs) it's silly but i think it's also a recognition of the fact that like when you're trying on these personas and you're trying to figure out who you are and you're falling in love with the first time too it's also like excruciating it's just that as you say it's from violet's perspective it's it's violet's you know violet covered glass colored glasses and so she wants everything mm. to be okay and be a musical number you know we get this backstory that she, her parent she lost her parents yeah. and she had the superstition that if she didn't do things the right way she lost her parents and i had this thought like you might think i mean that's devastating but you also might think whoa like my mind has so much power and now if I think really good things, good things will happen mm. in the world. You know, like if you had that yeah. kind of superstitious mind, um, you would turn something that turned, you know, you, rather than beat yourself up for something horrible that happened, you think like now it's my it's my job to bring goodness and happiness to the yeah. world because I can do that with my mind. Right. Like, yeah. I don't know and if that's what Wit had in mind, but it could be. Yeah, totally. And she had that thought. It must have been at an age where she never let that go. And she's like, oh, this is me now, and I have this power. Um, and the movie is just, like, so dead set on its can. <laughs> the movie's so dead set on, like, having its characters find answers. Um, I mean, the suicide prevention is a big deal, but it's it can be applied to, like, so many other things, like the frat guys. You know, it's like, well, there are always going to be morons, and in film they're portrayed as morons, but it's like they're frat guys because they're morons, and they're morons because they joined a frat. You know, so it's like... It all goes back to idiots being in a group together. <laughs> and I guess that's sort of the movie's way of like ex- explaining um, college. <laughs> <laughs> idiots in a room. <laughs> um, at least at least that's the way of like explaining Greek life, you know? But that's just how I saw it. Yeah. No, it's the dumbest things I've ever done are definitely in a group setting. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, that's for sure. But I actually – so let's talk about Thor because I think Thor is is the character who maybe has – He unlocks he, it for he's, you. Yeah, he's the counterpoint to pretty much everything that I've been you know, saying about the, all these people that feel insecure and then they like say all this stuff, which turns out to be false because the film fact checks – again, fact checks itself to say, hey, yeah, that was false. I knew what I was doing there. But Thor is the only person who says – I don't know something and don't make fun of me for not knowing something like it's it takes courage to admit you don't know something and i'm gonna learn and that's what college is for hell yeah and i i think like (laughs) as naive and silly as that sounds coming in a movie like this where everyone is doing the literal exact opposite um is kind of refreshing And and it there's there's wisdom in what thor is saying and I think Thor is, as a result of that, like the only character who 
learn had genuinely learned something i think about themselves like the other characters kind of stay the same maybe they just mm -hmm. they realize uh you know uh, violet whatever we can go through each one but thor really learns something he learns what the colors are and it's certainly <laughs> stupid books it to the rainbow oh my god learn. it's so funny yeah um and he has an an amazing emotional experience seeing that rainbow and it's such a shift for stillman writing movies constantly about like intellectuals and preppies and like elites you know it's it's, it's like to have someone go through such a mental growth you know it's like wow yeah but in a way and actually do you want to talk about the excellent sheep thing no you, you no you all cue it up but but so cool so okay so when laura when we first watched this movie laura was like this reminds me because they talk about sorry i should back up they talk about thor as a character who uh his they give his backstory right they're like well it wasn't like he's just a moron it's that his parents were obsessed with him skipping grades and having the veneer of brilliance. They had a precocity addiction. Uh, yeah. Precocity. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that's why he doesn't know very basic stuff. Is he kept skipping grades and missing out on those very basic things like what the colors are, and so this cued for Laura this idea. There's this book called Excellent Sheep, which is about it's about Yale, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead. Oh, the the thesis is just that students have been that like the the kids that have gotten into Ivy Leagues because it has it's very hard to do so. A lot of them were sort of coached from birth essentially, and to be the kind of person that a place like Yale or Harvard or one of these prestigious schools would take. They're very good at padding their resumes. They're very good at jumping through hoops. They're very good at, you know, fulfilling the teacher's expectations, but they're not particularly good at maybe creative uh, thinking. About, or they're just or, not smart. Or they're not smart. <laughs> um, and, you know, they're folk, they're entirely focused on being successful, you know, in an economic sense. They're entirely focused on, you know, having the right steps to the right career path. But they're not there to learn in college and they're not there to explore um, themselves or ideas. And this is like his frustration as a professor that he would encounter these kids over and over again. But I love this idea that like Thor is not a moron. He's actually you know, maybe quite smart in one sense, in an SAT sense, perhaps, but he just doesn't know the colors. And, you know... <laughs> And like Wit's idea that like he maybe is lamenting watching a younger generation that has had to professionalize really yeah. early um, and had, has not had that kind of exploratory experience he got to have in college maybe. And, you know, maybe the like not knowing colors is just a remark on like they're not living in the moment. They're not able to like just, you know, enjoy a rainbow because they're so focused on making oh. sure that they eventually get to college when they're 10. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I was Thor. thinking, do you think there is indication in that scene um, when the color thing is originally presented? Do you think that Thor is colorblind? Or that That's how I saw it at first. But now that Laura mentioned this, now like, I'm thinking like... like he, he couldn't he's... tell the difference between two colors. I'm like, well, maybe he's colorblind and he literally right. can't tell the difference. Yeah, That's possible. Yeah, that is possible. And then but and so what's interesting then is that he has to learn explicitly how to identify the colors because at the end of the movie he can identify them right he goes to the rainbow mm -hmm. and he picks them out so he maybe has to find some other way not via his visual you know experience but some other way of identifying them maybe he has to memorize red 
in the rainbow, this is the spectrum how it gets represented. And so maybe it's something like that. And that's so. So he really had to hit the books. Yeah. To learn the colors. <laughs> I'm saying. Lots of studying. Yeah. Crank out the, the coloring oh, books. Man. Yeah. Uh, one thing I just thought of that I, I hadn't, um, it hadn't really occurred to me be- till now is the lack of like substances in this college setting is interesting for a college movie. Like any college movie you watch, generally substances play a gigantic part of the experience, whether it be alcohol or drugs. And here, it's not really brought up at all, right? No, that's right. Yeah, that was so one. That was another reason I I wanted to make a, the pitch for this movie. <laughs> so I I think that this movie captures the right things to highlight about college. What I think is important about college, and it's not like hitting. You know, it's not like learning really. It's about sort of inward self discovery and experimentation. And I think most films about college, and we were trying to look this up before, so I can't say I we've done any serious research on this. But most films on college that come to mind tend to be ones that are older people looking back on or through a lens of like, we've been through college. I mean, old school is like the, the Ur example of this, like going back and being like, let's like get back to our roots of when we didn't have any responsibilities and like, like get wasted all the time. And that is like the, the template for most college films. And I think it's um, Tyler, you point out the ex- exactly something that's, I think, distinguishes this movie from most colleges college movies which is that it is entirely focused not on class learning and it's also not entirely sorry it's entirely not focused on class learning and also not focused on partying really per se it's focused Mm -hmm. on the social interactions that occur sort of in the dorm or walking to class or that and those i think are actually the ones which are ultimately the most formative and important um, yeah so yeah, it's interesting that it takes Violet's perspective, but ultimately uh, Lily is like the audience surrogate, and she's the one that's brought into the four, four way. Yeah, that is, I think, another really interesting part of the movie. So, so Lily, it starts out you think this is Lily's movie because she's mm-hmm. the surrogate, she's the viewpoint character, but then it transitions at some point in the movie, and it's not not obvious to me when. But Lily kind of fades into the background, mm-hmm. and then the the main character really becomes Violet, and she becomes the central viewpoint character through through which we're seeing more. And actually, we learn a lot more about Violet than we do about Lily. Lily, in a way, retains. She, we don't learn much about her. We still don't know what happened in the first school. Yeah, we don't know <laughs> what happened to. Yeah, we don't even know what happened to her right before she came into this movie. Let alone mm-hmm. what happened to her in the past. And I think one of the so structurally the film. Is, is, I think, quite complicated. And I think that's part of the reason why it's really hard to summarize the film. Like, if you were to tell... Like, I'm actually curious, like, what your guys would say, like, the summary of this film is. Because I found it... I was sitting here trying to be like, uh, four girls, like, hang out in college, try to find themselves. Mm-hmm. Trying to describe the movie is actually really hard, I think, partly because there's no single arc that we're following, right? There's no... The, the characters kind of come and go and they intermingle and then yeah, they're totally. sort of all together. Yeah. That's like, very Gerwig and very back as well. Yeah. yeah. Like I am usually pretty bad at like summarizing movies, uh, even when they're as idiosyncratic as this one. 
but I just looked up the Wikipedia uh, definition, uh, and this might be our best chance. Um, <laughs> newly transferred college student Lily becomes friends with Violet Heather Rose, a, cl- a clique who runs the campus suicide prevention center. The four girls date less attractive men <laughs> in order to <laughs> help them comments. They try to clean up the unhygienic door dorm. They clash with the editor of the campus newspaper, the Daily Complainer, who wants to close down the elitist Roman letter fraternities. And then finally, they create a new dance phrase, the Symbola. So I guess that literally is yeah, all that happens, like, but they don't even... That's mostly yeah. what... Time out. I'm hung up on them pointing out that the men are less attractive because <laughs> I wouldn't agree with that. Like, those are pretty good-looking guys. It's definitely, uh, like, a yeah, Wikipedia wait, sure. edit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's just, that's Violet's, you know. Uh, that's uh, true, yeah. That's her purported uh, goal in dating dating men. But I, mm-hmm. I agree with you. I don't think... Adam Brody is a hunk. Are you, yeah, where is this coming from? Right. Yes. Yes. So if you, uh, my age is that I watched the OC in high school. Which yes. I don't, you know, yes. You know Me too. I, okay. I, I, I know. I haven't watched it yet. I yeah. want to. <laughs> okay. Well, I watched it when it was like on television. Oh, I was, yeah. That was like my era, the early 2000s in high school. And I had a devastating crush on Adam Brody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Can you, can you, can you yeah. remove yourself from Seth Cohen or are you just like, that's the one character that he is now? Um, yeah, no, I think he's always going to be Seth. Gilles. I think he's remarkable <laughs> in this movie, though. Yeah. Oh my God, he's he's, he's like a great sure. actor in general. Yeah. He's also yeah. good in uh, Promising Young Woman. Last mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think he he actually for how sweet he is in the OC, he can play smarmy pretty well. But he he just like fits right into a Whit Stillman movie. I think he. Yeah. I mean, Justin and I were talking about he's sort yeah. of the 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 young incarnation of Chris Eigman. Yeah. 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 That's a really good way of putting it. It's almost like sometimes actors, when they work with directors this uh, particular, like sometimes Wes Anderson has an enormous crew at this point. And they'll try to like form themselves around a Wes Anderson movie. And you're like, I can see the scenes here. But it's like Adam Brody's like the the complete opposite. And I feel like someone like him at this stage of his career um, could have come across that way. But most certainly doesn't like really like in interviews you'll watch him he's like i watched uh the 90s stillman movies like five times like you know just really mm. try to, to nail yeah. this cadence he's... and yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah jack he was in the movie we just covered uh sleeping with other people the opening yes. scene well certainly yeah how do you even know 16 people <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, did you yeah, sleep with I my love... brother <laughs> yeah <laughs> I love the 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 part where I was thinking about Adam Brody as Eichmann was the part where she uh, where Violet says, "Well, you you lied to me," and and he says, "No, I was just making it up." And I was like, "Oh, that's a, that's like exactly the line Chris Eichmann," and he delivers it exactly the way Chris Eichmann would deliver it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's this sort of like, this is one of the Whit Stillman moves he does with his humor, where a character kind of accuses another character of doing something that is presupposed to be wrong. And then the other character just like says, yeah, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> they just like admit to it. And, and then they're bombast and how they admit to it is like defeats the presupposition that it's wrong. Like they just are like, no, that's how I define myself. And I, I think that's like a really, that's like a characteristic of a, a lot of the Eigman stuff. And, mm. and that's why I think I was thinking, oh, Brody totally is, 
he's rolling in the Eichmann territory here. But um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, um, I was. Curious I'm willing to assume Whit Stillman find found that too, like the similarities. Oh yeah, yeah, a hundred. Yeah, totally. I mean, what was what's what's crazy to me is how he found Eichmann because mm. apparently Eichmann was like auditioned for Metropolitan for another role or something, but like how those two like to me those two that is the muse right there that's like the connection like if it wasn't for eichmann i don't know if Whit stillman would have had the career he did yeah, like, seriously they like they needed each other and how eichmann didn't blow up to be a crazy major movie star is it's beyond me too honestly. it's offensive yeah. <laughs> uh, and that movie cost like five dollars and to think like yeah. they afforded such like really hidden talent um so I'm curious, did, did you guys, we, did we, did you find the movie funny? I'm just curious. Cause like we find it hilarious, but I don't know if everyone, like it, I don't know if it like resonates with people. Yeah. I share your sense of humor. Um, I, I really got on its wavelength, but it's, it's so abrasive enough that at the time when people are like, I don't know about this one, I understand. And I understand if that still holds true, uh, 10 years later, but, um, mm. I'm in the, yeah, I'm in, I'm in the pocket and, um, I haven't, I, it's like Ty and I are flip-flopped because once I see love and friendship, I'm sure that'll be just like, I'm sure I'll love that one too because um, what's the only characters feel like they're big fans of Jane Austen <laughs> and it like makes perfect yes. sense that he's like going going ahead and finally adapting one. But um. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say it did take me a bit to get on this movie's wavelength. Um, yeah. I will say, and I think that has to do a big part of it, what we were talking about earlier, where at first um, Lily comes into it you're from her perspective and you're shoved into uh, this clique with these girls. And I was like, these, and specifically Greta Gerwig, I'm like, these people are so freaking unlikable. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I would... Like being around her and her, her saying the stuff she does, I'd be like, "Kill me now!" Like, <laughs> and, and like uh, that era specifically, like early 2010s, and like I said earlier, that was like my college years. And like the indie scene of that time is such like a particular era, and this like brought mm -hmm. me right back to that, mm -hmm. where I'm like, I do have some fondness for that, but at the same time, I'm like, it's it's like a little off putting. And the way they're talking in this, I was feeling that very much so at the beginning. However, I think once it switches over to being more so Greta Gerwig's movie and she becomes more of a sympathetic character, that's when I started really getting into it more. Um, and and um, the other characters, too, I started falling for them as well and by the end of it i was definitely on on his side so yeah it just took you There's a little bit a scene... yeah. yeah i totally understand that i mean i think probably something similar happened to us the first time we saw it too where, where we were like ah. well you're used to such like everybody's so refined and we're still in movies and the, like the first couple of minutes there's like jokes about how they can't handle the smell of the bo you know and yeah. it, it, it's like you know, and the and the color jokes, it feels like a little bit more lowbrow in some ways. Yeah. I mean, the way it's shot, too. I mean, we should mention yes. that. The way mm -hmm. it's shot makes it feel like, 
And I can't know. I don't know why this is, but it makes it feel like it's like a low budget Hallmark movie. Like the way it's shot just looks kind of bad. I mean, it's glimmery. It's glimmery. And, and, yeah. and he's doing these sort of tracking shots where there's five girls walking and it's sort of not framed quite. You know, it's not like a symmetrical frame like Wes Anderson. So they're kind of framed askew and. It, it's and they're just having this weird stilted conversation where they're not looking at each other because they all need to be looking at the camera while they're walking um, or looking at least in the direction of the camera. And there's something that we just think, what is going on? Is this like made by someone who does not know how to make movies? I mean, that's like initially I was like, I could see that happening. I mean, we had seen some Stillman movies before we saw this. And so we were we were sort of prepared to give it the benefit of the doubt. But mm -hmm. I can definitely see being like, what the fuck? And then. <laughs> And then it sort of settles into itself and you kind of get the vibe of it, but it's... Um, and then the walk and talks are funny. They become funny, but yeah. it's a little bit like, I, you know, the one movie actually, I think I had a similar experience with at first and then I've, I've grown now to like absolutely adore is, is Bottle Rocket. Mm. Because I think, so Wes Anderson's first film, because Bottle Rocket is this movie where he, you know, it's, it doesn't have the, all the pageantry of the later Wes Anderson all you have is it's stripped down to the the dialogue basically that's where the humor is and it feels childlike because it doesn't have you know and it mm -hmm. feels immature in a way because it doesn't have the like wide you know he's not shooting an anamorphic or whatever so you think like oh this is cinema he's not doing these like elaborate slow and rushmore stuff. still has um, some of that too totally yeah. yeah and rushmore already is now it's like way more sophisticated in a way mm -hmm. um, oh it's, it's grown only with time yeah it's it's yeah, yeah. I love Rushmore. Um, but Bottle Rocket did ended up growing on me. And it's actually one of my favorite Wes Anderson so movies, good. partly because I think I like the stripped downness of it. I like how it just feels like he's just purely having fun and experimenting. And he's totally limited by budget and everything. So, you know, you just can focus on the dialogue and everything. And I think this is the same thing for this movie. It's weird that this is coming like the end of Split Stillman's career in a way. Mm. I mean, like towards the end, at least, of. Hopefully, Wit Zillman will make more movies. Wit make mm -hmm. more movies, but um, you know it's coming like you know later in his career, and um, but it still has this sort of I don't know um, I don't know like student filmy vibe to it, and at least initially, totally. And, you know, you were talking about the mumblecore and the indie scene, and it kind of channels some of that initially. Um, but anyway, but but it totally ends up coming together and working um, once you kind of can lock into whatever. Uh, you know, the, the, the tone of the movie is. Yeah. I think if I were to give the movie maybe too much credit, it rings a little bit like Brick from Ryan Johnson, where it's like that that movie looks like a movie that That's a high schooler fun. would make. Yeah. Right? And that, like, if if um, one of the characters took uh, a, like a video production class that that's their student film. It's like something that would look like that. And sort of that is a college person's interpretation of Wes Anderson <laughs> or Noah Baumbach, I guess. Um, but maybe again, that's like being too kind possibly. And this is shot by Doug Emmett who shot things like, sorry to bother you. And Edge 17 do the right, or uh, the two, the to-do list and the cinematographer's look isn't always like carried over to one another. Like, sorry to bother you has this like dynamic, ferocious look to it or something like that. And that might not always demonstrate why it has the look it has. Um, but it is interesting to consider like, yeah, it does. It doesn't look finished. <laughs> yeah. 
But I think that it's interesting because, of course, we're all going to now, I think people will, it, it, just inevitably because of how Wes Anderson and Bombach have eclipsed with Stillman is that he will always be seen in a way in their shadow, which is totally ironic because he's the one casting the shadow. He's the light right. source for their shadow. And so yeah. it's, there's a sort of strange irony here. And, um, but I think that that is right. I mean, I think that it's easier for people to appreciate damsels in distress having seen Wes Anderson than not. Yes, totally. And I think, um, and I think that's totally true for a movie like Barcelona as well, a much earlier with Stillman film. Um, which did not was not very commercially successful mm -hmm. at the time. Yeah, like Metropolitan comes out in 1990 and like sets the tone, like for the rest for like the next 20 years. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it's yeah, it's and uh, but yeah, I think I think that is I think one of these. I think there's something I don't know. There's something kind of I don't know. I have like a certain degree of I don't know. I'm like I feel ambivalent about that because at the same the one time I'm like. Well, it sucks because he he had this amazing thing that you know people could only appreciate when it was commercialized in a way. But at the same time, by it being commercialized now, more people will be able to appreciate with Stillman, and so it's great. So like, it's a wonderful. I think it's like a win win lose situation. Yeah, but it is a tricky situation. And, and it always also, happens. It happens with music all the time. So yeah. and I love singular um, objects of the decade like this one. Where you'll have, I mean, it's not quite this, but it is also that you'll have auteurs come in that have been making movies from dec from decades previous, and they set a movie in the modern day, and it's like something, and because they're a little older and they've been making movies for so much longer, that it's like something more genuine, but also there's a looseness to it. You you know, like that doesn't make any sense, but. Um, yeah, always really interesting. There's a whole letterbox list that has like uh, examples like these. Um, but, oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, do you guys have a favorite scene or favorite line in the movie? Oh, hold on to that. We, we shall get there yeah. at the end. But um, okay. Yeah. All right. I, I, How about favorite? Oh. Second on your format. Oh <laughs> no! Don't don't even get me started on favorites. Um, <laughs> I want to talk uh, cast a little bit. Um, mm. Favorite sure. performance. How about that? Yeah. Mm. Laura, what is yours? Oh my gosh. I mean, I think. I think I think Adam Brody's really good. I'm gonna go with Adam Brody. I think Greta's obvious role. choice, yeah. but I think Greta's doing Greta. Greta's Get together, Cohen. Seen that performance in a lot of other movies. Sorry. Oh, I was just saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have to go with Seth. Um, I mean, I mean Adam Brody. Where's Rachel uh, Bilson? I, I mean, <laughs> I think I just I am impressed. I mean, I think he he had a certain persona that he could have done the rest of his life. You know, if he wanted to keep being Seth Cohen, and and this is like he, he it feels similar, but it's but he clearly worked so hard on fitting himself exactly into a Whit Stillman movie, and it's seamless and smooth. And I think he does a really good job. I think he's undervalued. Um, yeah. underestimated quite a lot um as, as maybe like just like a tv actor but he does good work in small places and i think he's good in this yeah yeah for, for me it's greta gerwig <laughs> but i mean it's that's it's so obvious because i think you know it's almost worth not not even worth saying but i'm gonna say it. she's the lead character she's but amazing she, in she's this. amazing and, and i think the movie fails if she's not able to like anchor it in, yes in a kind of reality and in a kind of you have to really sell the catharsis you get from the bar of soap you know yeah. it's like that's the, all the <laughs> 
<laughs> closure you need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do yeah, you think this she, she, might be she, best for her? Best performance? I'm not sure. I mean, I think I, it's tough to know. I, I have to also think about that. But I think part of the reason it it's 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 a it's a difficult performance because because of the thing you said, Tyler, which is that exactly, she's yeah. unlikable. And yet mm-hmm. by the end of the movie, you're rooting for her. You know, so that's a really hard thing to do to keep you on the hook. Yeah. long enough to let the plot I mean, can of... i say i never thought she was unlikable i think because she's so charismatic from jump Fair. i'm just like i'm, I'm gonna like it. greta like <laughs> you know <laughs> like she's saying some really obnoxious stuff but i'm on board you yeah. know we'll see where this goes <laughs> um her charisma is just like yeah. undeniable yeah what about you guys mm. uh yeah i mean billy Ma- magnuson like this is like his one of his first major movies and just like outstanding as, as Thor. Um, I love Carrie McLemore as Heather, like such a, <laughs> I mean, like the perfect um, cheerleader for Violet. Like, yeah, go, yeah, do your thing and I'll be here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, she has her own thing going on, but it's like every line reading is just hysterical. Um, yeah, and the, the vacant sidekick is a tough role, actually. Mm-hmm. And like, and Ma- Amanda Seyfried managed to like launch an entire career off mm-hmm. of being this the vacant sidekick in Mean Girls, you know, because she was so good at it. <laughs> it is a yeah, skill. truly, yeah. Um, if I was gonna say best performance, I would probably say Gerwig, but I would just. Uh, touch on some others we haven't actually mentioned yet. Um, I believe I would pronounce Megalyn Etchikenwoke, uh, plays Rose. She's really mm-hmm. good. She kind of has a smaller role in the group, but just the way she reacts to, she has like the job and the role in the movie, like reacting to all the crazy shit everyone else is saying. Yeah. yeah. And, you would uh, think like she turns to the camera at one point and just go like, you get a load of this bullshit. Like, <laughs> like why? <laughs> Yeah, that would make but sense. She, she's not she's not like like completely removed from them. She's still like very much in with them and on their side. Um uh, she's <laughs> not like fuck them or anything. Um I also love small role for Aubrey Plaza who her character <laughs> name is just Depressed Debbie. Debbie, yeah. yeah. Um this her, scene is re- her scene is really great. Yeah. Yeah. This is like the heart of uh, Parks and Rec era, mm. and so it feels like she's playing the same character basically. Mm-hmm. Um, she's really good, and then Caitlin Fitzgerald as Pris, who's who's uh, they save from like her breakup mm-hmm. when they barge into her dorm room. Um, <laughs> she, I want to shout her out because I'm really enjoying her right now on um, Station Eleven, mm-hmm. um, show I would recommend. But yeah. Yeah. Can I put one more is Zach Woods. And I think Zach Woods, mm-hmm. that, that scene is kind of a scene that's like, I don't know. If if I was going to try to convince someone to watch this movie, I would show them the scene at the Daily Caller. Sorry, the Daily Complainer. Complainer. <laughs> Sorry, the Daily Complainer. And uh, the, it just, the I mean, there's one exchange where she's where Greta Gerwig says, and you call yourself a Christian. And he looks at her and he's like, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of shit is like that's catnip for me. I love that kind of stuff. And then, of course, when when she says, you know, Joseph Conrad, the great British uh, novelist, and he's like, ooh, po-, he was actually Polish. So actually, I looked this up. Um, 
It turns out, I didn't know this about Joseph Conrad, but so Conrad was born in Poland, but he actually spent most of his adult life in, in the UK. He wrote in English. So hmm. in a way, they're both right and they're both wrong. Like he was, he's, he's, he's referred to as a British Polish uh, writer. So, mm -hmm. um, so I actually think that's another funny thing where the movie's like maybe slyly poking fun at these people for trying to point out all these facts when it sort they're of doesn't pedantic. They're being pedantic. Yeah. yeah but, that's uh, what she calls him. Yeah. Pedantic. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's I just pedantic. love that scene. That scene, it's one of my favorite <laughs> scenes of all time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah. And I also love, love the little moment when I think it's Fred who buys, um, Lily, the drink at the bar, I may have gotten the characters confused. Um, and the reaction is just that's when from pretending to be Charlie. Yes, yes. that's what, yes. Um, and the reaction from the group is just like, oh, well, that's really kind. Drinks are expensive at this age. <laughs> and she's like, yes, yeah. that's, that's very, that's, there's a lot of truth to that. <laughs> it's, it's just like, wait, there's no overreaction yes. here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I always thinks he's an operator, but <laughs> other, everybody else thinks it's great. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's so romantic, and you know, there's, um, but it's interesting. Like, there's not a whole lot of college movies in the decade that are truly like capital G great. Like, you can always point to high school, because um, like Justin was saying earlier, it's a lot of nostalgia and like look at the good old, good old days sort of mentality. Um, one that always sticks out to me is everybody wants them. Uh, that's sort of the gold yeah. plaque of college, like good vibes, good, good vibrations. Um, if any others come to you guys, which, which we, we have not seen, we have oh, not seen that. Oh yes. my gosh. We, Fantastic. We are, Please we make a, a promise to me later. to see it. Oh my God. It's just, <laughs> yeah, I think, Gosh, well, can I, I can I can we admit a, to watch the trilogy? Yeah, can we admit like, another? All right, so we admit another uh, thing right here on mic. Which uh, we, I have not. We have not seen the before trilogy either. Cut the feed. Oh cut the God, podcast. Yeah. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a good run, you guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is embarrassing. Your pod is done too, actually. Like, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It's basically just this conversation happens every year where I'm like, can we watch the trilogy? And you're like, yeah, but I want to get it on Blu-ray. And that's not on sale yet. Is like what your answer is, essentially. The criterion, yeah. It used to be in high def, all right, babe? You know, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is... Oh, my God. This is really No, that's truly great. Goes, for the most part. We yeah. Can't, we can't be watching anything in less than 1080 because it's embarrassing for everybody. <laughs> I'm one of those, too. So, yeah, yeah. I can really... <laughs> one day we'll nab it on sale right Dust? yeah yeah we'll do it right now okay i'll, I'll do it right after right this. now because yeah, you did buy me eight fast and furious movies for christmas but we still have priorities to... okay yeah, 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 yeah. I, was, I was on sale man there was we know what romance looks like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> one of those movies i think was directed by link later and written um <laughs> yeah yeah that's yeah, the that's sixth right. one is yeah. famous sure sure <laughs> oh my god um Oh yeah, I'm I'm starting to look at some examples now. Twenty two Jump Street, also. Yeah, yeah. that's the first yeah, one that came yeah. to mind for me. But no, definitely something I was thinking about watching. This was like, college movies are important. I agree that it feels like we don't get enough of them. Um, mm -hmm. and we should have more. Yeah. yeah <laughs> old school, you brought are, up. Like, and... <laughs> yeah, old school, but also Twenty Two Jump Street also are both old people going back to college. Yeah. There's a real market for yeah. that, I, it mm -hmm. seems. But there's not a lot of just 20 year olds trying to trying out new things trying to be new people 
I mean, and is it crazy? Maybe it is. I love that line where, where she says, and Violet's not crazy. And Violet says, no, I am. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that, you know, but like, but so and it's like, said what's in, wrong with that? It's said in that Greta Gerwig cadence where it's like, okay, yeah, she is. But let's, you know, continue, please. <laughs> it's like, make, and your point is. <laughs> exactly. Um, your point is. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why she can never play <laughs> a villain or like, um, she can't play someone with hatred because it's like there's so much earnestness. I mean, we've gushed over Greta Gerwig like three or four times on this show, and it's like this mm-hmm. this performance still rings true that she can't play someone who doesn't have like earnestness and genuine qualities and like um, who's so down to earth. But it's not like each character is the same. Like we made the distinction on our Mistress America episode uh, between Brooke. And Francis from Francis Ha, where it's like those two can be very similar, but they're not. Somehow, she makes it. Um, it's just like very distinct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, she's basically just like the slightly more, slightly older Francis. <laughs> she's just right. She's like uh, she's got that little bit more life experience. She's ready to dispense some wisdom. Um, yeah, I, I. I had a hypothesis. I'm curious what you guys think about why there aren't many college movies about the just experience of being in college, whereas there's a million high school movies about this sort of experience yeah. in high, high school. And, and my thinking was this. Now, this is a very cynical reason, but the thinking was there, there's not very much economic drive for it. So high school movies are often seen by people in high school or younger and who's buying their ticket? Their parents, right? So their parents are buying the ticket. And then who's seeing these college movies about old people going back to college? Well, like old people. And who's buying their ticket? They're buying their ticket. They got money, so they can buy their ticket. Who's not going to see movies? Poor college students. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe they're just not going to make that many movies. Or they're them. spending their whole time watching new wave cinema. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Do you know who Jean-Luc Picard is? <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Breathless? Yeah. I think he says that. <laughs> that's what, that's the line like, I was trying to think of earlier. About this. <laughs> I think he even says the French name. Yeah. But he's French. So the, I was just going to say, with the French yeah, accent, it makes it okay. Yeah. And like, it, it makes it not obnoxious, you know? It's like, um, yeah, that is, that's, that's like a pretty good idea to, to reference. Like, to yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's and it's, and it's the fact that yeah, because we see so many high school movies, um, or like Superbad and Booksmart, are like in that sweet spot of like yeah. just before they go to college, um, which Labor is definitely well. a yeah. notable time. It, yeah, um, Edge of Seventeen, right? Recently, um, but college is so distinct from high school; it is not like the same. <laughs> <laughs> and and you you feel that watching uh, damsels in distress like the feeling of being on campus it's it's very much its own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and everyone has their own college history, and I and I guess like high school has too many similarities from each person. They're like, oh, I can relate to this more than I can uh, uh, with college. We might have referenced that idea on our book smart episode, but. It's it's it yeah. still rings true yeah. with college. 
There's like a, more archetypes people recognize. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like if you're yeah. going to a large public school, your college experience is going to be totally different than somebody going to a small liberal arts college. Just completely different. And, yeah. Um, you know, you're, I mean, for just even like in terms of like what your social life is going to look like, what's going to dominate your social life. Whereas pretty much all high schools, unless you go to like one of these strange, I mean, I guess there's a private public thing split, but. I think the archetypes still stay though, like the popular and jocks and stuff. And like that stuff is still, I think that's relatively universal. And I don't know if it's because we've watched too many teen movies. We talked about (laughs) our clueless episode about what that loop is. (laughs) Um, But I, yeah, I think there is, there is something more universal perhaps about our high school experience and our college. That's a good, really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Your clueless episode is really good. Thank you. Yeah. And and it's, it's like, you know, also, high school has the carryover for middle school. Like, you know your classmates your entire life. At least for me, I did. And you know your classmates your entire life. Sometimes, like with middle school, you'll yeah. part ways to different high schools. But with that instance, that's entirely gone with college. And then you have, like, yeah. this group of weirdos. <laughs> like, 2,500 sometimes and or more weirdos that you're just coexisting. Um and you're like horny and you know uh trying to yeah. figure yourself out it's and uh yeah it's a, time. yeah right 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 yeah, you're um, all sleeping in the same room yeah Justin's <laughs> yeah. really hung up on that yeah. Justin, <laughs> Justin didn't live in dorm like oh what no me. I lived in dorm in a grad school okay. I lived in dorm in you grad never school. had you never had a roommate no. you okay you had it you don't you, you had don't it the best yeah 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 jeez you had it made out yeah. And it's like, and it's like, it's yeah. funny how much they share space. Well, how many times they reference the odor? It is so evocative, but it's like that does really ring true. Like, oh man, like the yeah. um, oh, the gosh. smell like differs from school, but it's like each school does have like its particular scent. It's it's interesting. Yeah, I knew somebody his freshman year. He got stuck in like the place where most freshmen were not housed, and. It was in the basement and it just always smelled like feet in there and there was like nothing. It was just, there's nothing you could do about it. It seemed, it was just like a permanent, it was like one of those cinder block basement. And also he didn't have service and cell service because of the cinder blocks Uh, in the basement or something. And so he like, if he wanted to call somebody, he'd be like in the window. But but yeah, it really smelled like feet. I forgot about that. (laughs) That's something you can't forget though. Yeah. That's why I didn't live in dorms. That's reason number 246 why I didn't live in the dorms when I was a freshman in college. I was like, F this noise. But yeah, it's so freak. Like you Everyone's have, getting like... pink eye. Yeah. <laughs> More like everybody getting mono. I don't think that many people got pink eye. But um... <laughs> yeah, but I think like that, the point about like you have the same kids around you since middle school and you're kind of, you get boxed into a certain persona, a certain identity. And then all of a sudden it's like wide open for you in college and your parents aren't there and that kid from middle school isn't there who knows about the time you peed your pants or whatever and you're just like i'm you know now i wear a lot of scarves and my name is violet and like you know it's just that these girls maybe took a little step too far you know or charlie fred takes a little step too far and embracing a new identity but i feel like whit stillman's kind of with charlie fred in that like it's not a lie it's just making up something new (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's great yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, you could even read to Violet being like, "Oh, maybe she wasn't this leader who took charge of an entire friend group uh, in middle school, high school, and now she's 
trying to find on trying to find this new mask of hers and like like oh wait i can have this manipulation over everybody (laughs) for lack of a better but and she thinks she can help them i mean that's what Mm -hmm. i think is so cool is like she's like defined herself by in some of its guided way as like someone who can help another person and that's like she sees it as like charity now it's obviously um she's like you know it's obnoxious and she's looking down on them and there's a million you know it's it's um paternalistic but it's coming from a good place yeah and i think that's the that's the humor of it is that it's she's he's you know she's an absurd character who if you were to meet her in real life to your point tyler earlier uh, she might be completely obnoxious mm-hmm. um but it, you know on screen she's portrayed in such a glowing light that you just can't help but you yeah know, be i mean i think I think, too, I was thinking a lot about Clueless uh, during this movie just because it is another girl who is trying to adopt somebody new and new to the school. And she thinks that she's helping people, but she's also completely misguided and clueless. But everything that Cher tries to do for Ty is sort of pushing Ty away from from who Ty is, right? She's like telling her that her interests and her looks are not what, you know, are are not valuable, are not going to make her popular, are not going to bring her friends, and not going to help her be successful. Um, and Violet is just very happy to let Lily be Lily. Whenever Lily pushes back on her, she's just like, thank you for that feedback. You know? <laughs> I think she's she's got her kooky ideas about tap and, and soap, but if people push back or reject it, like she takes that on, you know, and, and that's happening early in the movie too, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is like, I think a little bit more palatable her, she's, she's sort of bossy and not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a wonderful character. Yes. Like they could all do without, the, without each other, but the fact that they all always travel bundled together, it's like making college all the more easier and more understandable for all of them. Yeah, and that's a Whit Stillman thing I think too. Yeah. Is that the group keeps growing over time, right? Yeah, the end yeah. Of, of of disco where they're all walking to the to the unemployment office together, and the guy from the publishing house is there. Like all the different <laughs> worlds of they just keep a. It's very screwball comedy imagery. Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, then like the the bouncer shows up too, right? Yeah. He's huh. there. Yes. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's there. I just love it. It's like. Um, it's still movies like a big group hug. Mm-hmm. They're just hangout movies. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, like there's I who's talking. I think um I should I'll just shout it out. I think Blake Blake Howard and um and Katie Walsh talk about this on Miami Nice. They talk about hangout movies, right? Movies where it's just people hanging out, and I think that's kind of just the Whit Stillman vibe. It's just people hanging out, doing some stuff. The stakes are pretty low. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the fun of it is is it's just like in, in the, you know, you want to be with those characters because they're just fun characters to be around. You kind of want to just be a fly on the wall while they're these people are hanging out. And that's what makes these movies incredibly rewatchable. Like mm-hmm. we put this movie on and, you know, we, we I don't watch rewatch movies that frequently. I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't know. Yeah. 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 But it's easy to rewatch a Whit Stillman movie because it's just like hanging out. Like you don't, you know where it's going, and it doesn't really matter. Like it, it, none of it turns on, none of the excitement turns on, you know, plot twists or anything that, after you've seen it once, kind of loses its charm. Um, you weren't hanging on the edge of your seat, finding out if she's going to get with Frank at the end. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It, I mean, that's the glory yeah. of it. It's, it you want to see them all together, and they're all together. They're all dancing together at the end. And that's College doesn't matter. Your grades don't matter. 
it and the long, ultimately no um <laughs> well yeah, no, I'm just kidding, yeah. uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> you should have told me that that's a good too far, oh, no. I, a good too far. oh man um, <laughs> but no i think that's why uh everybody wants them is such a triumph as well because that is i mean you know obviously that's such the link ladder vibe that this isn't so much about like what's going on but who is living this in the moment and that's like you know, that's the, when he makes movies about nothing, that's why it's like the greatest shit ever. <laughs> but vibes. The Larry David yeah. of it all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's the Texas Larry David. Um, <laughs> speaking of um, evaluate for one sec, Carolyn Farina, who is Audrey in Metropolitan, I'm pretty sure she is the. Um, uh, waitress in the diner when she yeah. goes yeah. Yeah, off campus and which is pretty cool i didn't realize that and so is what was i forgot his character what his name is of the actor but um, i think of him as charlie because i think he's charlie he's in metropolitan. charlie in metropolitan but i'll find mm-hmm. the actor's name um but yeah he's he brings a... back um this the teacher at uh when they're doing that roundtable discussion is um charlie from metropolitan um, mm-hmm. when uh, they talk about who invented various dance crazes yeah what's his name <laughs> It says uh, Taylor Nichols. Yeah, Taylor Nichols. Taylor Nichols. Yeah. yeah, I do love that when he brings brings his, his people back. Yeah, does it pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. Little cameos. Mm-hmm. Uh, for fans of shirt Search Party, which it's last season is coming out soon. It's fun to see like Elias Shawkat and Meredith Hagner both in this movie. Um, she plays Alice uh, Meredith Hagner, um, who's dating Xavier. Oh I believe. right. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, that's a little roll. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't notice that. Um, what was, I, I meant to ask earlier, actually, what was the incentive to finally dig into Whit Stillman earlier this year? Oh, the, well, for us, it was that we were, we were talking to Whit Stillman. So we, oh. we talked to him um, <laughs> for the last days of disco. Yeah. And, <laughs> Mic <yeah>. drop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So we chatted with him about last days of disco. And so we were like, well, let's, we got to watch the whole filmography just in close succession. We just yeah. recite what happened there? What was the first Whit Stillman movie we watched? It was, was, it, dis- it was last just, days of disco. And then you yeah. just reached out to, with him. Yeah. On we were Twitter. chatting and stuff. But, okay. Yeah. Then it was like, okay, wait, I haven't, I hadn't actually seen metropolitan in barcelona so i was like let's go back we felt like we couldn't talk to them without he's he's got such a short filmography yeah you know yeah it was easy (laughs) to do your homework um but yeah it was uh i mean yeah what an experience like it was just this mind-opening like wow i had this huge gap and i feel like so much about i don't know what i movies i had loved um i was seeing like the source the genesis of it in Mm -hmm. a way and um yeah and it's it was like it was just an amazing, yeah, it was a really amazing experience. And, and, um, um, yeah. So anyway, that was the, that was the impetus, but yeah, you can totally see that groundwork too. Yeah. Like it's so easy to spot. Yeah. I mean, when you see it all together and I mean, there's just these, and again, seeing it again, like I think how a lot of people, especially of younger generations are going to go back and see what Stillman, they're going to see it through the lens of Noah Baumbach and Wes Anderson. That's how I did. And I just was like, oh my gosh, this makes perfect sense. It's so, it's so accessible to me because I understand the film language as it's been filtered through these more commercial uh, directors. And totally, yeah. Um, 
And I think that was really, it's like, I don't know, it's it's a little bit like, it felt, I mean, not like this, I don't want to make it sound like it's homework or anything, but it, it felt like, you know, when you go back and watch, um, I don't know, Fellini or, or um, Rossellini or something, and you're like, oh, I see, <laughs> I see what, mm. how, like, why Scorsese does it this way, you're like, aha, that's where he was getting, you know, all of his inspirations from and so on, and and it felt like that. It, it felt like I, I could understand it in a way that probably if I had just seen it in 1990, maybe I could have understood it because I would have at, at that time had seen a Woody Allen movie, right? But mm. it just, it makes so much more sense filtered through the whimsy of of of, of these other directors. In, in particular, I, I feel like Noah Baumbach. And, and The Squid and the Whale is one of my favorite movies. And I think um, just seeing, yeah, just seeing somebody you know, just seeing more of that, these kind of intellectuals who are bombastic and completely over the top and saying these absurd things, just seeing more of that, I was just like, yes, I want more of that on screen. I, I just can't get enough of those types of characters. I find them these like mildly insufferable blowhards. <laughs> uh, that might be like the the tagline of my favorite type of movie <laughs> Absolutely. And especially as movies in the 90s, you're like, I don't know if I want to hang out with you, but I like knowing that a person like you could exist, right? Because, like, you want to... It's so funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's kind of, like, one of the great tools of of movies in general. Um, yeah. Yeah. You guys said this was Would your you favorite. you want to hang out with? Jeff Daniels? No, well, yeah. I, no, I mean, Jeff Daniels and Squid and the Whale, I, I just, I don't know if I want to hang out with him, but I just find every single thing he says hilarious. <laughs> and I think it's, I think what it is is that I, you've, I've met people who are yeah. approximations of that character yeah. and they are completely insufferable they're like <laughs> they're you do not want to hang out with them but seeing them he's like a professor in squid the whale too like you understand like oh god yeah 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 i yeah, yeah. know i've been in these worlds i've been in these rooms and it's 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 like you know it's it's hilarious it's hilarious when you really step <laughs> back but in in the moment when they're condescending to you or whatever you hate it but um, but yes, it is, it was stepping back. I, I'm just, you know, it's, it's maybe it's cathartic. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I don't, we don't need to get into my psychoanalysis of myself <laughs> of why I love the squid in the whale. <laughs> oh God, my, my start unpacking trauma. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, you know, Whitstillman has still some, some energy left in the tank to like, you know, let's talk about, uh, uh, a new generation, um, starting up a tech company or like, I don't know, like, a, like, I, I feel like he could write for other, other people now going into this age, uh, though he finds the characters of, uh, damsel in distress and, and it would be like, Oh, you haven't lost a beat. <laughs> um, the... yeah, I mean, that was, um, I, the, the world from 2011 is not like exactly, you know, it's an alternate universe. So there's no like Facebook or social media and people aren't on their, Oh, my mic went out. There aren't people on their, on their, on their phones or not or anything, but like the language is both simultaneously, uh, like stilted when people say things like obliged at one point, Jimbo says obliged. And I don't think anybody says that in, yeah. in, in common language, but also when the guy said boot to refer to vomiting, I was like, Oh my God, how does he know about that? How does what know that? Like I, <laughs> when, I, when I dated a Frank, he would regularly say boot and rally. I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. the specific. I, yeah. yeah. But 
but yeah, he's able, I think, you know, and with each of these movies, Disco 2, he's able to really, like, capture something really, like, true about the zeitgeist. Yeah. It's an amazing talent he has. Yeah. But, I mean, it's also his characters are all, and there's a certain wistfulness for a bygone era. Right? Yes, it's at a the lot same of time, it yes. is like he dec- he's decrying, I think, the professionalization of college youth today and pining after a kind of liberal arts driven, um, you know, intellectual mm-hmm. elite that used to exist. Uh, that used to be on television with the, you know, with um, with uh, William F. Buckley and and you know these people and Gore Vidal. They would have these debates on TV and right. these were these these people who spoke with the transatlantic accent, you know, mm. and carried themselves with a certain degree of learnedness. Oh. And um, I think there is a certain he has that he he really want he he I think he I don't know I don't want to speak for him, but I think there's a certain pining after that in in these movies and longing for that um time uh or at least the can the, the certain character of that time and i think um and, and i can get into that mode i mean i'm a professor of philosophy like i, I and i work at a tech school you know like i mean it, it, philosophy is is the lowest priority right at, at, at you know a place like mit you you they they prize their engineers and their philosophers are not um you know, I mean, we're taken care of, but we're not like the jewel of the university. Whereas at a place like Yale or at a small liberal arts college, um, at a place like Oxford, for instance, philosophy is actually taken is very taken very seriously, and there, you know, there's um, a certain degree of uh, reverence for the the, the field, understanding understanding that like the university is was founded by. Uh, you know, as with philosophy at its center. And um, I think wit has that same kind of like longing for this return to this, these like older modes of inquiry through literature and poetry and art and philosophy. And I think, you know, there's much to, you know, there's much for me at least to, to, to like about that as well. Because I mean, now, you know, you go to college and you're like, all right, so is it econ or is it pre-med? Is it pre-law? Or is it computer science? Like, mm-hmm. what are your, here's your four majors now, yeah, like yeah. that everyone chooses between. Because, understandably, because the economic situation is precarious and it's the days of, like, you know, becoming a man of letters at your school and then getting a job, uh, you know, where it doesn't matter what your degree was in and you just have a plush life or is, is largely over. So mm-hmm. um, I get it, but it's also, I lament it. No, I, I don't lament. Totally oh, I, don't lament I should clarify. I don't lament the fact that, 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 of course, that was only accessible to white men and yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. I get all that. But, but I'm just saying, I, 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 you know, I mean, this, I, <laughs> I'm like shooting myself in the foot here. I'm going to just dig my grave a little bit more. Um, but yeah, like, you know, we learn about. I think should shoot you in the head now. And then yeah. you, you know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a red pillar. Okay. Can I, can I make that clear? <laughs> <All right. laughs> oh, my God. Woo. He got so heated there. It's I okay. know. Oh, it's my okay. God. I didn't yeah. think he was that. I don't Lots of hand gestures. That yeah. Until I took it there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You yeah. were saying a lot of things that were not in my head. So. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I apologize to all the fans of exiting through the 2010s that I just alienated <laughs> talking about 
talking about some sort of wistful bygone era. Right. I'm sorry. As they're all like paying off their student loans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. We, we do understand the situation. Our listeners threw their degrees in the trash in this moment. Yeah. yeah. Today's message Wait, on exiting. Uh, we have to go back to the early 1900s when everything was better. Everything. <laughs> we need to get the lost to... got the respect that they deserve. <laughs> We're stripping down. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cut all this. Oh my God. <laughs> we got to wrap this up because I'm going to start saying some crazy stuff. Absolutely. Start? <laughs> start. Wait, 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 wait. We haven't started crazy. Um, Ty, you were going to say something. Was I? I don't know. You looked like <laughs> no, it. I... Oh, capitalism. Uh, let's talk about it. No, oh, <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. You, you got me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, I mean, do we have any final thoughts? Is that where we want to go next? I feel like there's, I, I think you kind of nailed it at the very beginning. Like there's, we're going to try our best, but it's like, what are we talking about here? Um, <laughs> yeah, but if, if there's anything, yeah, we heard a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, do we have any final thoughts? I don't know. Um, I feel like here, I want to know, I want to know from you guys. Mm -hmm. So you guys have been watching a lot of 2010s movies and I think it's a great decade. I think it's a good topic for a podcast for sure. I don't think this is my top movie of the decade. I don't think this is my top five movie of the decade. I like it a lot, and I think it's it has a lot of you know fun qualities about it. Um, but I, yeah, I'm curious from your guys' perspective, like you know, where does do, would you put it in one of your top movies, or and if not, like what would be some of the movies that you cover that you really, really liked? Ty, you can take this first. Doing this 2010 podcast. Um, I mean, kind of like I said earlier, I wouldn't say this off first, off just the first watch, I wouldn't say it's into like the loved category for me. I like the movie. Um, and I think it'll get better for me on rewatches, especially seeing what uh, Stillman's doing in the first half. And seeing how it builds to the second half more, where I was already initially more on its wavelength. Um, I think that'll be interesting. And like I said, I already liked uh, Love and Friendship a lot. Um, but, no, I mean, so if we just want to say, like, movies like this, um, that kind of had this energy, what uh, Jack said earlier everybody wants some i will second what he said that would be very high up for me um as maybe like the quote-unquote like hangout movie of the decade um i've only seen it the one time in theater i would love to rewatch it soon but that would be up there for me for sure no i mean like so um my copy yeah. is certified copy is so good yeah I mean, it, that's my so good yeah i were to like force to Nick, I did that my favorite movie. I think um There's only been a few movies yeah, that I, I straight up hated that we've done, like that I yeah. think bring evil into the world or something. Um so and, and it's been mostly like great, great stuff, you know, but um that and, and that's only because like a lot of people use the guest voice format to be like, Well, this one really stuck out to me and I guess this is my mm -hmm. my chance to assess why, because like, you know, thousands and millions of movies have come out in a 10-year period but it's strangely enough easy and easy for people to then um dial it down to just five or 
sex, you know, which is always interesting. We got to get to the point where someone comes on and they're like, this is my favorite movie of the decade. Like, this has a special play in my, place in my heart. I absolutely love this. And I'm like, yeah, that was fucking terrible. Uh, I, I hated every second of it. Fuck uh, <laughs> you. Yeah, you piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, like, attack them. That's yeah, good yeah. podcasting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next, <laughs> yeah, you're just like totally rude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, I was looking because when I was thinking about it, when you gave me the thing, I was like, oh, 2010. Yeah, I remember you just of, calling out movies, of movies to me. But like, I would have done if it wasn't for this because we were like, nobody's gonna choose this movie because nobody's like seen it. So we were like, we got to do this movie. But um, but if I wasn't this, I would have, I would have suggested a separation. Ooh, yeah. Fucking rocks. Okay. And Keep I, that in mind. One of my favorite movies. Uh, the act of killing. Oh. The act of killing is another one I would have wanted to do. Did you guys already do that? No, but I love the act of killing. Okay, I love. I love it. Going to be another yeah. one. Yeah. Um, those are like, I don't want to keep go keep going on, but like those were two that I was like, mm-hmm. ooh, because we watched the act of killing, and then in preparation, actually, that at Harvard they were. Um, uh, Oppenheimer was not uh, Joshua Oppenheimer mm-hmm. did a screening. The of filmmaker, the look yeah. of love, uh, not look of look of love, look of silence, silence or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, look of yeah. silence. Yeah, and um and and he was there for Q and A. So we 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 watched Act of Killing and then we went to see the screening of Look of Silence and did the Q and A with with Oppenheimer, and the Act of Killing made me feel completely like. It was like a, an experience of like total despair and horror that lingered for like a week. Like it was just this experience, like just what the end of that movie where you watch this guy realize what he's done and just what his body like physically revolt against him. Mm-hmm. That was like the most visceral thing I think I've ever seen on film. And yeah. I would I would have chosen maybe chosen that because I would have I don't know if I can even watch that scene again, but I would force myself to watch it. So a pretty bleak story about Look of Silence, Act of Healing. Um, I watched them last year um, just out of recommendation. I always heard good things about them, loved them. Um, And then a few hours later, this COVID thing started to happen. It's like, what? I'm such in a disorienting state of mind. Oh, my God. The world's going to Holy shit. Um, Oh, my gosh. That's hard to take. I'm, again, looking at the catalog of what we've done. And this um, row of five movies is right here. And I think... Like, since it's just, like, average rating, um, or, excuse me, it's my rating, like, in highest to lowest, I think I'll just, like, say it's The Master, Mistress America, Moonlight, Nightcrawler, OJ Made in America. Like, that's, okay, that's, that's, like, I love all of those, and, um, but that's not to disrespect anything else we've done. Yeah, It's, yeah. it's really hard. It's, it, we've done some, we've, we've done good movies on here, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No love for the good dinosaur, uh. The disrespect. Um, Wait, listen. Was that some animated movie? I haven't even heard of that. Yeah, that's the Pixar. That's like considered yeah, yeah. Pixar's worst movie, yeah. probably. Yeah. It, it, or, or to make it even funnier, that's like the aggressively uh, uh, average Pixar. Like, you can't get any worse right. or better than <laughs> The Good Dinosaur. <laughs> um, I feel so. Yeah, I don't really watch animated films, although now I'm watching them with our son, but maybe now we're going to have to watch The Good Dinosaur. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Justin. Yeah. Be aware because it's going to be six months of our life reenacting <laughs> Good Dinosaur. Right, right. Our right. son, we, <laughs> we have to watch it a hundred and... times. Yeah, now he has to watch. He watches it over and over again. And we showed him Zootopia, and now it's like we're just reenacting Zootopia over Just this and over one again. scene. Yeah. Just one scene again. And <laughs> Zootopia again. is great. 
Yeah, yeah, that's pretty fun. Yeah. He really likes the popsicle scam. That's his. That's our son's favorite thing. <laughs> I would think it was the sloth one because that. Yeah. <laughs> How old he is he? Sloth too. He's two. two and a half. Oh, that's fine. Okay, yeah, so is he a big uh, damsels in distress fan yet? <laughs> yeah. What's What's <laughs> the son's uh, What's Dome ranking? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he does love Tenet, as we were saying, yeah. though, which is kind of uh, strange. And he like goes to play group and yells about algorithms and turnstiles, and nobody knows what's up. Yeah. Mm. Talks in reverse, right? Very yeah. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> does well, he does because there's a you know the part in Tenet where so he acts out the scene where they he, well he acts out a number of the scenes but one of the scenes he acts out is when they're going back through the turnstile like with Cat on the stretcher and it, it, Neil waits outside I, we we've seen it like a thousand times so I could like <laughs> be recreated it a thousand times too but Neil waits outside the protagonist goes inside fight 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 and then he uninverts himself and comes back out and he runs down the thing and he goes go. And then he then he shows it in reverse, and he goes ugh, and he, and our kid does those does that. He goes go, and then he goes back up the stairs ugh. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> I don't know if he has any idea what's going on, but he acts it out. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and now in a few years, um, you'll be able to tell him, um, like, oh my god, this movie came out in a, in a pandemic in theaters, yeah, when nobody could get around each other, um. You know, that reminds me of when we had Dan Mecca on from the film stage. He, like, took a, a part from the end of an episode to, like, send out a message. It's I still, like, am in tears of laughter from this part where he's like, Noah, listen to me. <laughs> when you uh, ask me for the keys to the car. <laughs> like, and, and when this whole thing about, like, us pitching Independence Day 3. And it, it's a whole wild story. I can't remember the specifics. One of the funniest things that has ever happened on the show. Um, but now it is logged yeah. in perpetuity. Now his yeah, right, right, right. That's that. that's for Noah Mecca to <laughs> to um, to listen to. Uh, yeah, let's get into favorite scene. What do we say? Um, oh, do we have one ready to go, uh, or do we need a oh, minute for to me, think it's about daily complainer? Daily yeah, complainer. I mean, I mean it's, it's between that and the Thor thing, but I, I'll let someone else take Thor. Mm -hmm. The Daily Complainer is the best for me. Um, I don't know. It's just it's just every single line that Zach Woods delivers is hilarious. Yeah, he steals the show. Yeah. That is a really good line for line, amazing scene. Yeah. I mean, I think I think Thor's speech um, about why he shouldn't be ashamed and uh, what education is really about. I think about it literally every day of my life, so it's probably. <laughs> <laughs> It also has Frank being like, I'm not trying to look in the mirror and see what color my eyes are. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, but he's just, because he comes back into the room and he's like, wait, I have something to say. Yeah. I'm not done here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say, this is probably a lame pick, but... Uh... I gotta go with the the Sambola at the end. So, do you know every number in every Fred Astaire movie? No, there were two in our school musical, I know those. But did performing those two numbers help you overcome adolescent feelings of discouragement and despair? Absolutely. Freak. If I should suddenly start to sing, or stand on my head or anything, don't think that I've lost my senses. It's just that my happiness finally commences. 
The long, long ages of dark despair are turning into thin air. And it seems like suddenly I become the happiest man alive. Things are looking up. I've been looking the landscape over, and it's covered with four-leaf clover. Oh, things are looking up since love looked up at me. Bitter was my cup, but no more will I be the mourner, for I've certainly turned the corner. Oh, things are looking up since love looked up at me. Like, oh, mm. hell yeah, that's not a lame <laughs> it, It's just like, oh, you're going to end the movie on this? I like it, yeah. Yeah, yeah roll Thor credits. could do the Sambola. <laughs> and, and I, like, wanted to get up, like, I just had a cup of coffee. I'm like, all right, let's do the Sambola. Um, so maybe I'll uh, keep rewatching that on YouTube and learn the dance. Yeah. Um, that'll be good content. Yeah, throw that on the timeline. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, not many movies give you a new dance craze to take with you at the end. That's special. It's just yeah. Damsels in Distress and Michael Jackson's Thriller. Um, those are <laughs> right. the two big ones. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh man, this is. I mean, so many of so many of them are like something interesting going on. Like it really feels like the movie is pretty lean about its length as well. Um, probably the Aubrey Plaza scene. Just because it's like that's someone that fits so perfectly in this world, and she's she comes in with such like a wiry fervor, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, and she's like I I can't um, she's yelling at Violet over someone else being clinically depressed. Um, and I'm thinking this as my favorite scene as I'm like trying to piece together what happens, but. I think all the stuff, the suicide, I think maybe another second favorite for me would be the introduction of the suicide prevention center or the suicide center because the yeah. prevention sign had fallen off. Um, all the signs in the background, come on, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, only yeah. for the depressed <laughs> slash, just, you know, and, um, and, and you know, the, the mis- Jimbo comes in and there's the misunderstanding <laughs> about whether or not he's depressed. Yeah. And they take the donut away and then they give it back and then they're all <laughs> running in that funny little group walk to go rescue Chris. <laughs> I think that entire yeah. sequence is... And, it's, and then they call over the campus police. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I think the first time you because we we spend so much time later on in the suicide prevention center, but the first mm. introduction is is really fun. And I love Jimbo. His name is like Jimmy Bows, and like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> Her complete disbelief why why such a name would exist, <laughs> why such a nickname. Mm. I mean. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's such a um, it's such a new concept. Why do we think the movie is called Damsels in Distress? Real quick, and then we'll wrap up. You know, there's a there's a Fred Astaire movie apparently called A Damsel in Distress, and Fred Astaire is uh, evoked a couple times. I haven't seen I haven't seen the movie. I've read the plot synopsis. It doesn't seem to have much to do with this. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Does anybody know where this where the song comes from that they that they sing together? Not before they do the sambola. Oh, which the Fred Astaire song? Like which movie it comes out of? Yeah, I don't no, know. No, I don't know. Um, not... My Fred Ast- I've only seen like one or two Fred Astaire movies, so. Apparently, it was the first one he did without Ginger Rogers. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, there's there is that connection, but 
I'm not. I like that the the characters are that the women are listed first and as the damsels, and then their distress as the as the men. <laughs> yeah, cute. that's fun. Yeah, but I I'm not totally <clears throat> sure why it's called damsels in distress. It could be an irony thing. Like yeah. they're never, yeah, they're never held for like any captivity. It's just they're all on their own and trying to make their way through through college. But it's yeah. but it's just like they're fine and it's. I don't know, maybe it's them defying that. Yeah, yeah. the distress is always light. Mm, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, it's all it's just like light. very minor. Yeah. It's... Yeah, I think what, I think also to Jack, what Jack's pointing out is that the they're not really damsels, right? They're, mm-hmm. They they have agency. In fact, their characters are drive the, everything in the plot. So that's true. If they're not just like these, um, you know, uh, these characters that need to be rescued or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Yeah. I yeah. Think it, so there's a kind of ironic reading of it. Yeah. College students in, in distress doesn't read as well. <laughs> um, it doesn't read that well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kudos family. Thank you so much for being here. It's been an absolute delight. Um, where can everybody find you? Do you have anything to plug, promote? I'll do the promotion. Of course you will. <laughs> That's well, I've gotten good at doing it. Yeah. Um, thanks. Thank you very much, you guys, first of all, for having yeah. us. This Thank was a you. Sure. Thanks for picking me. Anytime, yeah. Please come back. We'll bring, you, we'll yeah. bring you guys on soon. We're, we're, we're on a short, we have like two weeks. We do everything two weeks. So, mm-hmm. so we're, we do fewer episodes than you guys. Um, we are, so our podcast is called cows in the field. We generally look at philosophical themes and popular films, and, um, you can find us at cowspod.wordpress.com or on Twitter at cowspod. Um, yeah. And that's the, and yeah, we're, I, when is, when is this going to come out? Uh, this weekend, this Saturday. Oh, great. Okay. You guys are fast. You guys are fast. Um, (laughs) I, I'll make sure I get you my end of the recording immediately. Uh, we will, our next episode will be The Matrix Resurrections with hey uh, Dave Chalmers, yeah. who's a professor of philosophy at NYU and has written wow. the most interesting philosophical paper on The Matrix I've ever read. Wow. And it's yeah. called The Matrix is Metaphysics. And um, so it's great. He's He's amazing. He's one of the, I think he's one of the like, I don't know. Okay, well, I'm not going to talk up Chalmers that much because it's going to be embarrassing for him. But anyway, mm. he's great. He's super smart. And um, uh, so we're doing that. So that's what's coming up next. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, excellent. Back to the Matrix. Nice. Um, I'm on Twitter at Jack K. Draper. Um, my writing on film is on the Boston Hustle and my own personal medium. This movie can be found on Showtime uh, if you have it. I it's it's like oh yeah their movie selection is better than i thought that's one of those places um mm-hmm. and our next episode will be the big short with caro ribeiro and um that's all for me yeah. excited for that uh everybody loving adam mckay these days right <laughs> uh. <laughs> yikes <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Hot here. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. God. Um, but yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter at T Money Talks, talking, uh, you know, life changes, turning 30, uh, s- seeing new movies, Licorice Pizza, uh, Matrix, did you the s- Works. Um, did you sing that song from Broad City? Dirty 30. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I did not. Um, I'm working on it, though. I'll come with some anthem. Uh, and, uh, yeah. yeah, follow me on Letterboxd at Team Money Talks as well. Uh, got the week off work this week, so kind of a little winter break for myself. Doing a lot of Sick. movie watches, probably. Uh, yeah. And and yeah, exciting times. Um, re- no work, just movies. Year, uh, yeah. Just movies, yeah. Um, movies aren't work, uh, <laughs> unless you're recording a podcast. Not yeah. For some, for sometimes they can be work. <laughs> I'm looking at Laura over here. I'm like, <laughs> we've scheduled out our movie watching because we don't have very much, very much time, and so I'm like, okay, we're gonna watch this movie then, and then this movie. And we had to, anyway, I You're put it on the calendar me. because <laughs> otherwise we, it won't happen. Listen, I, I feel that in my soul. I think that's part of getting older as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to savor this time of like, oh God, I, I just I just want it to remain as workless as it can, as stress-free. <laughs> yeah. Right. You just wait until you're old and in your mid-30s. <laughs> films are work and your bones hurt. <laughs> <laughs> you're tired all the time. <laughs> You have a kid. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you have children. Yeah. <laughs> Watching that? Tenet a hundred times. That's, <laughs> that's hard work. That's the best part of parenting. <laughs> best part of parenting. It's just watching this movie over and over again and being like, yeah, I'm doing my job as a parent. <laughs> <laughs> All uh, right. I look forward to your big short episode. That's going to be fun. Yeah. I, 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 I like that movie. Yeah. I'm actually one of the, one of the I think, only people liked vice yeah i think you are the single person i'm right here i liked it as well uh everybody else seems to hate it so i'm like what was wrong with me do i need to reevaluate it nothing's wrong with you you're an independent thinker 2018 was a rough (laughs) yeah that's what you want to be called these days an independent thinker (laughs) you do your own research on that stuff oh god (laughs) not what i meant but okay you're getting us both in trouble (laughs) All right, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. Remember, rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at ETTPod. You can follow us on Instagram at Exiting2010s. Email us at ExitingThroughThe2010s at gmail.com. And catch us next time on Exiting Through The 2010s. (laughs) 